If you feel it, you know it. D-Rock Productions. Sports Talk with D-Rock. What's good, man? Matter of fact, what's good with the motherfucking Texans? <laughs> I, I tell you every week, man, it's a shit show. Every week, it's a shit show. Every week, they don't get better. Every week, they only get worse. And honestly, my patience is just very, very, very thin for David Cully at this point because him and his staff is just horrible. Every game... They get outscored horribly in the second half every game for the last four weeks. This has just been horrible. Last four weeks. But anyways, final score, 31-3. Coach tore the Texans up. But must I mind you, in the first half, it was only 3-10. to 10. Going into halftime, it was 3-10. to 10. Texans was down by only seven points. Davis Mills didn't have no interceptions. Um, the Texans had a fair chance in the game to be competitive. So, looking at the stat line and doing some recap on Davis Mills and the Texans, Davis Mills went 29 for 43. He threw for 243 yards, and he had two picks. Those two picks came in the second half of the football game. Mark Ingram, he went out there and got 18 carries for 73 yards. Not a bad game. Philip Lindsay finally showed up and did something, but he also fumbled. He had seven carries and 39 yards. David Johnson is just getting carries for no reason at this point. Two carries, seven yards. Davis Mills had two carries and five yards. So, what did that tell you about David Johnson? Not much. Why don't Scotty Phillips get more touches? At this point, Scotty Phillips should be in the depth chart, on the starting roster, in the 53-man. Because these running backs suck, man. David Johnson is overpaid, and he sucks. If you're going to cut Whitney Merciless, you might, you might as well cut your ties with David Johnson. Because he's worse than Whitney Merciless. I mean, hell, at least Whitney do a little something. David Johnson does nothing. Two carries for seven yards. I'm pretty sure there's 100 people out there I can go pick off the street that can get two carries for seven yards. Anyways, Houston receiving man. Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins did their thing. Jordan Aikens even did his thing. Um, Brandon Cooks, nine receptions for 89 yards. That's basically, what, 10 yards to catch. Um, he was targeted 13 times, though. So, he's doing, a, he's doing a pretty good job. Nico, four receptions for 44 yards. That's 11 uh, yards per catch. Only six targets. 
So he's catching pl plenty of balls. Jordan Aikens, four receptions for 41 yards. 10.3 yards per catch on six targets. So those are the major people that stepped up. Chris Moore, he had four catches, but he only had 14 yards. So everything was pretty minor with him. Um, you look at everything. You look out. You look how everything shakes out, and you got to say the receiving core really is not half bad, especially with Nico coming back in. They really needed him. Um, I don't know what happened to Danny Amendola. I don't know if he was active this week, to be honest, but it's very interesting to me because they cut a receiver that, that claimed that Amendola was the man up, and he hasn't played yet. So that makes you go back and ask David Cully, what the hell are y'all doing over there? Why are you lying to the media and to all your fans who support the Texans about why you're cutting players and choosing other players and claiming that they're better? Because obviously they're not and he's not healthy. So why would you even cut? Why would you even cut Miller? Why would you cut Miller? He's young. He was healthy, and he had just scored a touchdown. But you claimed that y'all had somebody better. You cut him, you didn't trade him. You cut him for someone that was more than 10 years older than him. And the guy that you cut him for is not even on the field. He's non-existent. So, I don't understand what the Texans got going on, man. And my bad. I said that Scotty... And my bad, man. I said that Philip Lindsay fumbled the football, but actually it was David Johnson. It was David Johnson. So now it's even worse because, my guy, you had two carries, seven yards, and a fumble. Why are you still on the team? Why aren't you cut? I mean, y'all cut Whitney Merciless, but y'all wouldn't cut David Johnson because shit. That contract is pretty similar, so you might as well go ahead and take two cap hits. You really think it's more worth keeping Whitney merciless for a season versus David Johnson? Because from what I see, Whitney has been more productive than David Johnson so far. And both of them suck ass, but I'm, I'm just being honest. Now, the talk more on Whitney merciless, I'm not going to give him no praise because Whitney is overpaid. Whitney has not been productive in the last three or four years. And this is this is the honest truth. Ever since he's, um, I think he tore his peck or whatever. Ever since he did that, he's never been the same. He has not done anything. He he struggles against one on ones. He can't get loose. He he's always getting held up, and he's never getting to the quarterback. But this season, I think he has two sacks. Honestly, so the future for Whitney Merciless most likely is for him to go somewhere where he can contend and probably become a role player on third downs, a, a third down pass rusher. Because honestly, if you can't give give me your all on one one play out of each drive, bro, then um, I don't know what else to expect from you. So I think that money should at least pay for that. But guess what? The Texans already paid it off. Now he was guaranteed like $28 million on like a 50 some million dollar um, contract. So... That was the worst deal that they could have ever wrote up because Merciless proved to be garbage.
after he got that money. Now, I'm not mad at Merciless because, hey, y'all overpaid me. And it's not my fault. I'm out here still getting paid. Y'all signed that deal for me. Gave me $28 million. I'm going to run away with it. And, of course, that's what you're going to do. So, with that being said, the good thing is, Jonathan Grenard gets to get more touches out there on the field. By the way, Jonathan Grenard showed up um, this week. He had five solo tackles, six total, two sacks, and two for a loss. And he had three quarterback hits. You know, Merciless played too, right? And he had two tackles, one solo, no sacks, and nothing else. Nothing else. So that's why Merciless is cut. Because he's not doing anything. He's garbage. Now, besides Jonathan Grenard, the future is not really bright for anyone else on that D-line. I mean that's healthy right now because a lot of these guys are hurt. Um, if you look at the team, Blacklock is hurt. That's someone that they can be dependent, depending on, but he hasn't been healthy. I think the last couple weeks and he, he usually show up. Um, Charles Amenahue is healthy, but he's just a healthy scratch. So, I guess they're trying to get ready to trade him. Lonnie Johnson got in the game this week. He had three solos. Also seen him blow. I also seen him blow some coverage. So, questioning marks on Lonnie Johnson. Zach Cunningham played. He had three solos. But see, these guys that we're mentioning, they're actually solid players. Like. The Texans' problem isn't really the defense. Now, don't get me wrong. The defense isn't perfect, but it and it isn't great. Justin Reed didn't didn't play as well as he could have, you know. Um, and some of the other players could have stepped up and played a little bit better as well. But when you look at it overall, the defense isn't the problem. The defense is really not the problem. So that goes to show, Lovey Smith isn't the problem. But you know who is an offensive coach? David Cully. He's an offensive coach. But he don't call plays. Tim Kelly call the plays. So, at this point, the offense is on Tim Kelly and David Cully. But more so David Cully because he kept Tim Kelly on the staff. And also, honestly, I don't really see many issues with what Tim Kelly is doing as far as play calling. I mean, now there are times where it kind of divert from Tim Kelly and it goes to David Cully. But but this offense is stuck between a rock and a hard place, honestly. Tim Kelly got to get it together. He got to figure out a better way to get Davis Mills going. Maybe they need to do some rollouts and, and uh, bootlegs and stuff like that, you know, I honestly, man, I would love to see the Texans running that Gary Kubiak offense at this point. You know, back in the day, I used to get so tired of the bootleg. But now that I look at the team and the kind of players we got, it would have worked so well for them. Like, especially when Deshaun Watson was playing for the Texans, it would have worked so well 
with Deshaun doing them bootleg plays. Could you imagine Deshaun doing bootlegs with his athleticism and being able to, you know, juke some of them them D linemen that was after him in the backfield um, and just hitting them receivers deep, man? Like, oh, my gosh, bro. That offense would have been night and day. If it made Matt Schaub look good, just imagine how great Deshaun Watson would look good and look in that offense, man. He would look perfect, perfect in that offense. But, hey, uh, just to go over what the Indianapolis coach did to the Texans, Carson Wentz had went 11 for 20. He only threw 20 passes for 223, two TDs, no picks. Jonathan Taylor went 14 carries for 145 yards and two TDs, and that goes to show that the Texans need some linebackers, and they need some help up front, period. Naheem Hines, 4 for 13. Marlon Mack, 5 for 12. Those are real running backs. Those are backs that can go get it. So that just goes to show what the Texans are really putting out there. Receiving was even solid for them. Even though he didn't throw that many passes, he did just enough. And this is how you become a real, true quarterback manager. Because Carson Wentz only threw 20 passes. Davis Mills is a rookie that they've been questioning week in and week out. He had one good game last week. This game, he came in, he played okay. Um, And then y'all give him 43 attempts to pass the ball? You don't give no rookie that many passes. Come on, bro. This other dude went 11 for 20. He's been in the league for like three or four years. And you're going to give Davis Mills 43 attempts. Now, granted, Davis Mills played pretty solid with 43 attempts. 29 for 43 is not really bad. But have you given him a lesser amount of attempts? He went through two picks. But also, better play calling. He went through two picks. I'm pretty sure at that point, them two picks came in garbage time where he's just trying to force the ball downfield. Um, some of them was. But anyways, man, he got sacked two times. We sacked him two times. So I would say, you know, at that point, we're pretty even. You know, these two teams came in the door, both one and four. The Colts went out the door two and four and the Colts went I mean the Texans left and went back to Houston one and five. I think the first half showed how close the talent level is and uh how close the teams really are on paper. And then the second half showed how much of a difference it is between David Cully and Frank Reich. Because David Cully got outcoached by far. Like I said, y'all put up 21 points in the second half and the Texans didn't put up nothing. Well, let's go ahead and look at the next week's matchup for the Texans before we move on. We already know the Texans are going to lose again. So next week we'll be having another recap and we'll be talking about how bad the Texans are and they lost to J.J. Watt, and J.J. Watt had the biggest game in his life, and DeAndre Hopkins just destroyed Desmond King, and all these other things is just, just garbage, you know, and the Texans be 1-6, and 
The Cardinals will be 7-0. You know. By the way, the Cardinals are favored to win by 90%. That means the Texans have a 10% chance of winning this game. <laughs> Anyways, in this game, Marcus Cannon will be out. Tyrod Taylor will still be out when he was predicted to come back, I think, like a week or two ago now. Terrence Brooks will be out. Danny Amendola, still questionable, but they cut Miller for some weird-ass reason. Justin Britt, questionable. We'll see if he come back. Anyways, the line, the spread, 17 and a half points. And if you're a betting person, you better ride that spread higher than that. <laughs> because um, the over and under is 47 and a half, and there's no way, no way the Texans will even put up half of that. But guess what? The, they probably will meet the 47 and a half. I, I give them maybe a touchdown, and Arizona will probably score about 42 or 50 points on them. It'll be pretty horrible, honestly. And the reason I say that is because they got some, some people on the other side that just really don't like the Texans organization at this point. So, trust me, DeAndre Hopkins might go out there and catch 200 yards receiving. J.J. White might just somehow come out there and get three sacks in a game. Something he ain't did in years, you know? And then he might get hurt. But, we'll see. Now, I just want to do a little recap on that. You know, the Texans averaging 15.3 points a game, and Cardinals averaging 32.3. You might as well double that. I give them 60. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I, this, this shit is just, just horrible. And for what the Texans are putting out there on, on the uh, field... It's really just ridiculous. And I will never buy another ticket to see the Texans. No time soon. And that's just me being brutally, brutally honest. I know we all are tired of talking about the Texans. But guess what? I got some good and bad news for you. Good news is the Astros made it to the ALCS. Bad news is they didn't really show up. So, tonight the Astros take on the Red Sox for the fourth time. We won game one. You know, we pulled it off, man. I was, I was really happy. I was very, very, very happy. Um, then game two and three, we lost. We lost the game two, nine to five. Game three, 12 to three. Last night was just fucking horrible. I mean, the decisions by Dusty Baker... And the pitching coach got to get better. You can't just leave. You can't just leave your pitcher out there, man, to give up all them runs. And then think he's going to settle down after he didn't gave them all up. I mean, come on, bro. You didn't gave it all up. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to stop being a hoe? Come on, bro. So, hopefully tonight, Zach Grinke can settle in there. And he probably throw 50 or 60 pitches before they take him out. But... Hopefully, he can throw some different off-speed shit. I know he's not going to attack the inside of the plate because he's more of a finesse thrower. But him throwing at different speeds and throwing different uh, kind of pitches should help us. Hopefully, we can pull off the win. He can slow him down. Um, at this point, what I realize is this is a matchup that going to rely on 
good batting. And right now, Altuve haven't showed up. Brantley hasn't showed up. Correa hasn't showed up. Bregman hasn't showed up. And those guys got to get going. At least the best of the team, you know? And then following behind them, Alvarez, Tucker, and Maldonado, everybody, they all got to kind of show up some way, somehow. If, if it's making a big defensive play, because the defense has just been horrible, man. The fielding has been garbage. Altuve, he messed up, but he, he just let a, a, a bad one get by with, a, with two bounces. You know, it's, it's bad. The errors is, is, is bad. Hopefully the, the pitching staff can just step up tonight, man. Because if they go out there and pitch like that again, it's over. It, it, it's, it's really over. And now I'm going to tell you, the good thing about this Astros and Red Sox series is as bad as the Red Sox have been beating the Astros these last two games, guess what? It's only two to one, man. It's only two to one. So even though it seemed like they're like up three to one right now, it's only two to one. And the Astros can go out there and even it out tonight. Because they, they, they need a game out here in Boston. They need to steal one in Boston. Really need to steal two in Boston, if I'm being honest. And then go home. And hopefully you can steal that first game at home. But if not, you can you can steal game seven. Because right now, it, it, it's not looking too good. And I think if they can get the game seven, the good news is they still have Lance McCullers on the roster to where they can pull him up anytime need be. So that can be the best situation for the Astros trying to fight and get into the World Series. But they got to get the bats going. They got to figure out some way to get them batters off the plate and get the bats going. Because it's, I'm telling you, it's not looking good for the Astros. But hey, tonight is the night. I'm pulling for my Astros. But honestly, I'm going to be honest, man. I'm going to be brutally honest. The Astros, I don't think they really have it in them to get it done tonight. I really just don't think they can pull it off tonight. And I think this is the end of the series. And I think we should just start looking towards the offseason. But in hindsight... The Astros got plenty of cash coming up for them to go get them some aces. Because um, Grinky's going to be gone. Verlander's going to be gone. And if you don't bring, bring Correa back, that's even more cash to go get you some aces. But I say bring Correa back, go get two new aces, and we'll make a run back. There will be no reason we can't make a run next season. In the NBA world, the Houston Rockets will be kicking off their first inaugural game of this season. They will be taking on the Timberwolves tomorrow, to be exact, at 7 o'clock. And predictions say Timberwolves have a 70% chance of whooping the Rockets. And I'm going to be honest, I actually agree. Because from what I've seen out of the Rockets, so far in the preseason, it has not been promising. And 
from what the Timberwolves have done in preseason, it's been very promising. So, also, must I mention, Daniel House won't be possibly playing, but there's a chance that he will play. He's day-to-day. Garrison Matthews is out on the Wolves side. Patrick Beverly is out. Jordan McLaughlin, day-to-day. Jalen Noel, day-to-day. So, you got some people that maybe the Timberwolves need. I know they need Patrick Beverly, but outside of that, the mother guys is probably not that important. But that is two point guards that they will have in their backcourt being out. Actually, Jalen Noel is a two guard, so that's three people out in their backcourt that may be important. So this might give the Rockets some kind of edge. Um, what to really expect? I'm not really sure. I hope to see Jalen Green look solid in this game and just show up. Um, we know John Wall won't be playing for the Rockets, so that is really nothing to talk about. Um, Christian Wood should show up, but he has some people that he will be having to worry about, you know, as he go up and try to take it on the inside. He got to worry about Cat and, and more. So in this game... It will be a a good struggle for the Rockets. But I don't see them pulling it off. The spread is five and a half. Hopefully the Rockets can at least cover that. Um, I'm not really sure at this point. Maybe they was just in a different gear in the preseason. But like I said before, the future is bright, but it's just not near. Not right now. And um, just to see Sagoon out there and... Trying to figure out what the the Rockets' actual starting lineup will be, you know, it, there's a lot of things to go to go into play here, and I'm trying to figure it out because honestly, we know John Wall won't be playing, so he's a healthy scratch. Christian Wood will be possibly at the four again. Daniel Tice at the at the five. Jay Sean Tate coming off the bench. Alperum. Alperin Sagoon, I believe that he may be starting, so I don't know how that's gonna work out. Is he like is he gonna play the three or the four? Or is uh Daniel Tice gonna come off the bench? I don't know. This is really questionable for the Rockets. Um You also got KPJ, you know he's gonna start. You got Jalen Green, you know he's gonna start. So I think the problem is the Rockets don't have a true point guard that's starting quality. And the only point guard they have on this roster that's actually going to play right now is DJ Augustine. And as crazy as this may sound, they might need to put his old ass out there and let him start so he can control the flow of the game and uh, cut, cut down on them turnovers because I'm telling you, man, them 30 turnovers against Toronto was just garbage. But I will say, Josh Christopher, I look forward to seeing him. Armani Brooks, I look forward to seeing him. And Usman Garuba, I look forward to seeing them three. Eric Gordon, don't know what we're going to get out of him if he really wants to play. But uh, they can trade him. KJ Martin, we already know he's going to come to play. Daniel House. I think, honestly, I'm going to tell you what. The Rockets need to go ahead and package Daniel House. I understand he's a true Houstonian, 
but they need to package him, Eric Gordon, and John Wall. Now, they can't package them all three together because I don't think nobody wants those players on their team as a whole little unit, but they can package John Wall up out of here in a separate trade. Eric Gordon and Daniel House, they can ship out together because Daniel House salary is only 3.8 million. Eric Gordon is 18.2. So I figure they can find a trade partner for them too. The John Wall deal is, is a whole lot harder because his he's making 44 million. So that's gonna be hard to move. But just getting John Wall off the books and putting someone in place that can be productive at least somewhat will help the Rockets go that much farther in their future. Um so I look forward to seeing them some way, you know, some way, somehow figuring out how to get John Wall off this team. Because the sooner the better and the future will be even brighter, just like the Texans' future will be a whole lot brighter once they can trade Deshaun Watson. Now, moving on. Now I, I said that the Dynamo last game was against Portland. I think the other week, or Seattle. I can't remember, but they actually won that game. Yeah, it was Seattle. They, they beat Seattle 4-2. Uh, I was surprised. I didn't expect them to pull that off, but somehow they did. So maybe this team is waking up and, it, and is trying to get competitive. So this next game is actually against the LA Galaxy. They will be home for that one. So look forward to seeing... The Houston Dynamo at PNC Bank Stadium. Uh, and just being ready to go out there and tussle. Because the LA Galaxy is one of their rivals. Besides Dallas. Also, the Houston Dynamo have moved up in the, uh, in the playoff race. Well, I don't think the playoff is in their future. But they moved up in the standings. They're now ahead of Austin FC and FC Dallas. And now they're Texas' top team in soccer. So, that's a positive thing. Hopefully, they can pull off this next game against L.A. And show up the L.A. Galaxy. And they'll be even, they will be in an even better position. So, in the college football world, the Houston Cougars are looking pretty damn good. 5-1. and one, And they're going to be taking on... East Carolina Pirates at home. Now, I know some of these games we probably already covered because Houston was on a bye week, and I think a, a couple other college football teams I'm about to cover was on a bye week last week as well. But this is the week, so we got to really cover it and go into depth. So, so you know, Houston averages 37.2 points a game. East Carolina Pirates average 29.5 points a game. The Pirates allow 28 points a game. Houston allows 16.2 points a game. So I would definitely say this game is leaning in Houston's favor. Now, the matchup predictor says that Houston will win this game 87.5% of the time. And East Carolina will win this game 12.5% of this time. So I believe the future is very bright for Houston. They've been on a roll. They've been doing good ever since they took on Texas Tech, which was a game they should have won, but they lost. 
And let's all be honest, Houston should be undefeated right now. But they can't overlook East Carolina. Coming off a of bye week, this is a game that Houston should definitely win. This is a game that Houston should definitely win by a huge margin. And the spread is 13. I expect Houston to go out there and win that game by 13 or more points. So, hopefully U of H can pull it off. And hopefully they do what they need to do. Hogerson go out there with the right game plan and make sure that they take care of business. Now, on the other side of Houston, we got Rice taking on the UAB Blazers. Rice is 2-4. and four. The Blazers are 5-2. and two. And last week I said that Rice would beat um, UTSA, I believe. If I said that, I was a fool because UTSA is undefeated. Rice had no chance in this game. UTSA beat Rice 45-0. And this week they'll be taking on UAB in Alabama. And UAB is 5-2. and two. So you only can expect the worst from this game. Now, I've been riding on Rice and hoping that they can win some games. But this will be another game that they won't show well. Um... I do believe, though, that Rice can win four more games and get themselves into a solid bowl game. Solid, at least in their department. Which, in the average department, is a toilet bowl. But I'm pulling for Rice. Hopefully Rice can cover the spread. The spread is 23 points. Hopefully somebody can go out there and make some big plays. Because um, as of right now, the quarterback future doesn't look bright. His season stats is 564, three TDs and two picks. While he's going up against Hopkins of UAB with 973 yards and 10 TDs and two picks. Rice, you're in trouble, my guys. Now, we got to talk about one of the big dogs, Texas A&M. They'll be at home again, taking on the South Carolina Gamecocks. A&M, 5-2. South Carolina, 4-3. Matchup predictor says A&M by 90%. So, A&M, you better show up. Calzada, I'm expecting big things out of you. Even though your ratio says otherwise, we will see what you can do. A&M last week defeated Mizzou, 35-14. South Carolina is coming off a win against Vandy, 21-20. When you only barely beat Vandy by one point, that goes to show that you're very trash. And that also means A&M should whoop South Carolina the whole game. The spread is 21 points. I'm going to ride with that spread. It might even get worse than that. But it all depends on how Calzada really goes out there and plays. Moving on, Texas Southern will be taking on the Alcorn State Braves. The TSU Tigers, I had them beating Grambling last week. They lost, unfortunately. I said it was a shakeup. They lost 34-20, and TSU is back to losing again. 
I didn't expect them to lose by so many points. Hell, I didn't expect them to lose the game. But on the Alcorn State side, they're 4-2, and two and they're coming off a win. And, hell, they've been winning quite often, right? So, them going up against TSU, they should take care of TSU and get the victory easily. I don't know what the stat predictor will tell you, but I'm going to say TSU uh, probably has a 90% chance of losing this game. And just looking at the quarterback for TSU, he's horrible. I've never seen a quarterback play five games, which I'm expecting he's played five games, and throw for 887 yards, have one TD and three picks. TSU, you got to do better, baby, at the recruiting, because that is just horrible. Then when you look on the other side, Alcorn State, this guy has 1,200 yards, nine TDs, and three picks. That seems more realistic. What's going on at TSU? Why can't they ever put together a solid football team? I mean, you're right in the heart of third ward. What are y'all doing wrong? Why can't y'all get it together? Come on, TSU. I'm pulling for you, man. I'm pulling for TSU to do better in the future and just somehow, somehow figure out what they need to do to get better. Now, we talk about teams getting better and teams getting worse. But this team right here, man, they just got worse and worse and worse. I don't know what happened. I don't know what, what, what's got to give for them to get a win. But it is not their week. Houston Baptist University. They got their ass whooped. 61-24. I mean, Southeast Louisiana put it on them. Southeast Louisiana put it on them. 61-24. to 24. Now, remember I was talking about how HBU, they've been pretty competitive in all the games, you know. Now, they average probably about anywhere from 17 to 21 points, but they be pretty competitive. And this week, they just let it all loose. It's like they gave up, man, 61 to 24. I mean, every other week they were scoring 17 points, but the teams wouldn't beat them that bad. They was only be beating them by like 10 points, maybe maybe 17 or so, but 61 to 24 to a Southeast Louisiana team? That makes you wonder if SCLA can beat HBU that bad. PV only beat them by 10. Hell, a D1 school in FBS, University of New Mexico, only beat them by 10. So, look out. If you're facing SCLA, you better look out. On October 23rd, HBU will be facing off against Nichols. And this is a game where they will be facing an opponent for the second time. So, with them facing them for the second time of this season, hopefully we can see some progression from HBU because 
it's not easy to beat two teams in football twice. And the the Huskies are due for a win. I mean, they'll be playing at home. They're 0-6. And they got nothing to lose at this point, right? They got everything to gain. So, hopefully, hopefully, HBU can go out there and win. Last time they played Nichols, they lost 48-17. So, hopefully this time they can put up maybe 37 points. Got to show some improvement. Got to show that we're actually learning something there. Because, so far, it appears that they're not learning much. And it's just looking worse and worse every week. Now, there is a team that continues to get better every week. And I tell you this week in and week out. PV is doing their thing. PV is continuing to get better week in and week out. This week, they'll be playing Southern. And it's easy to say that Southern has no chance in this game. If they lost to TSU, PV should be able to handle up on Southern. Honestly, they're five and one. Southern's three and three. Uh, lost to TSU somehow. So with them losing that game, I just gotta pull for Southern. I mean, with them losing that game, I just gotta pull for PV. PV should be able to defeat Southern by more than ten points. No, honestly. By the way, PV beat. What did they beat? PV beat Bethune Cookman last week. They beat them 35 to 29. That was a game that we thought possibly Bethune Cookman could somehow upset someone, but that wasn't going to happen. And it's pretty clear Bethune Cookman had no chance. Man, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of bad teams in the SWAC. We gotta we gotta get our players in, into the, the SWAT, man. We gotta get our players into these black schools. They're going to all these other schools, but could you imagine if all the players went on strike and said, Hey, I'm not going to Ohio State. I'm not going to UT. I'm not going to Texas. I'm I mean I'm not going to U of H. I'm not going to A and M. All these different schools, if all the students could come together and say, we're going to HBCUs. We would bring so much more money into our black communities, black schools, and it will help improve education and resources for all the students. I, I really want us to do this. I really want us to get on the same page and help ourselves. We only help ourselves if we come together as one. We don't help ourselves if we're divided. So if you're a young college student or if you're a young high school student and you're thinking about going to college to play football, basketball, baseball, whatever sport, whatever, whatever you in, track, wrestling, think about going to an HBCU. At least, at least go there for two years. At least two years. So you can say you service your community and you service a HBCU. Go get the experience, man. I'm telling you, it's something that's different. It's unbelievable. Especially 
depending on where you're going to school at right now. If if you if you never really dipped into your own culture, HBCU is the right school for you. Go check it out. Go try it out. Go visit. Don't just skip it because you say, oh, they're the little man on the map. But guess what? You can be that guy that put them on the map. Look at Dion. Look at Dion. Now, I know he's already famous. I know what he's already done. But he was a first-time coach. They gave him the opportunity. And he went out there and took it. And now look where he's at. You can do the same by just going to play for one of them schools. Please, student-athletes, go be a difference. Now, moving on. There's one school I haven't talked about. It's Sam Houston State. Sam Houston State competes every week. Every week. Now, I don't know what kind of stuff they got in their juice out there, but they know how to get it done. Now, I know last week we talked about them. Um, they was possibly on a bye week. They did beat the hell out of Lamar University, which is what Lamar deserves. 41-7. to This week, they take on Jacksonville State. I believe I talked about this, and honestly, this should be a solid game. Remember I told you Jacksonville State had did some good things this year, beating Florida State and going out there in Florida and upsetting them. So this is a game you got to keep your telescope on. You got to see if this is a game that Jacksonville State can come in and to Sam Houston and take everything that they've been working hard for. I don't really think so, but it's a big possibility. And you know what? It's going to be full. It's going to be a full game. 14,000 people are going to be there, and they're going to be ready to cheer on the Sam Houston Bearcats. And I guarantee you, Sam Houston will figure out a way to pull off this game because they're better coached than Florida State. They got more talent than Florida State, believe it or not. Florida State is a dumpster fire. I don't know what happened to them, but I know a team that hasn't been dumpster fire for a long time, and that's Sam Houston because they compete every year. Now, if I was picking a couple teams to be promoted into the FBS, Sam Houston would be one of those teams. Sam Houston and North Dakota, most definitely, should be in the FBS, and they should be competing with the big boys. But we all know how politics work. No one wants Sam Houston to be a big dog because you slap a big dog right in between U of H, PV, and Texas A&M, you're going to have some unhealthy things going on. But it's going to be hell of a... Hell of a hell of a lot of competition. That's for sure. Well, people, it's been nice. It's been nice talking to you all, and I hope you stayed for the whole episode and listened. I want to thank everybody for listening. Hey, if you want a shout-out, let your boy D-Raw know. Let me know in the comments. Like, share, 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 share. Share on Snapchat, share on Instagram. Facebook, whatever platform you have, share my podcast. Show me some love as I show you some love and let me know what's your name, what you play or what you do. It don't have to be sports. And let me give you a shout out, make you feel better about your day. Thank you.
for listening to Sports Talk with D-Rock.